0: The following questions are purely rhetorical, so there is no need to shout out an answer. But would you rather win or lose? Would you rather be right or wrong? Would you rather use or be used? Would you rather be on the attack or on the defensive? For most of us, the answers are obvious. We'd rather have something, we'd rather be in control, we'd rather be the one on top than the one who is suffering, the one who is struggling. But when we start to look at the realities of our world, of our country, of the church, of this church, of our very hearts, we start to see how in need, how on the back foot, and in some places, how desperate we can become, and frankly, are. It's hard, it's very hard to look at the problems of the world when I look at my own heart and see that I still struggle mightily in my pride, in my egoism. How can I possibly be an agent for good to change the universe, the world, when I can barely get up enough to change my very heart and the way I encounter the person in front of me? But I desire change. I desire more. But then I hit another challenge, another roadblock, an obstacle. I have to recognize quite significantly that I am not enough. And this, in a way, flies in the face of our contemporary culture. It says everything you are is good and wonderful and perfect and you don't have to worry about it. Just be yourself and everything will be fine. I recognize that that doesn't strike true. But in order to overcome that, I have to also admit that I am wrong sometimes, that I'm desperately in need of help, and it seems to just pile on all the more. And in this moment, thanks be to God, because God himself came down to us, not in our grandeur and in our power, but in our lowliness and our weakness. He who is infinite and without limit, all-powerful, all-knowing, chose to limit himself by becoming a human being. And not only that, he didn't take on worldly power and prestige. He said and he showed through his life that it was better to serve than to be served, to give up your life, to die for something than to kill for it. And thanks be to God, because in my loneliness, in our loneliness, in our struggle, who is there with us but Christ Jesus himself, who is alive, who conquered sin and death, who has a plan for each and every one of you and wants to walk with you. But what what must we do in order to take that next step, in order to walk with Him? We must pray without ceasing otherwise we're just another politician or we're just another expert but the lord doesn't need or want those he wants hearts converted lives changed he wants the witness of his cross of his victory over sin and death to be the witness we provide to the world and the only way we can know what that looks like in our life in your marriage in your job in your friends and relationships and everything is to pray, and to pray not timidly, not to ask for the little things, but to pray boldly and courageously, to never settle, to ask for everything, to put it all entrusted to the Lord, and to let him show you the way. Because as the widow, who in this society has zero value, goes to the judge and begs and begs and begs, and finally gets a decision. Our God, who loves us infinitely, will respond, as Jesus said, speedily to our cause and in our favor. But we must pray. Pray without ceasing. To pray boldly and courageously for anything and everything we desire and need in this world. To pray with humility, but also with magnanimity. To pray recognizing that I don't deserve these great things in the world because of my struggles, because of my sin, because of my brokenness, but I desire to be great so that God might be magnified through my life. Not in worldly ways, but in His ways. That is what it means to pray with humility and magnanimity. To pray with friends, to invite them into the battle with us. When Moses, in the first reading, goes up to pray over the battle, he takes Aaron and her with him because he knows in that moment he needs their help, he needs their support, and he also wants to show them the power of God's prayer but also the necessity we have for one another. To be in not only community, but communion with each other. Because when we are weak, others are strong, and vice versa. If we're doing it all on our own, we're going to struggle even more. But this is why we come together every Sunday for Mass. This is why we join together before meals to pray, because we recognize we're lifting each other up. We're holding each other up so that God's will may be done, so that His glory may be manifest. We also have a very clear guide from St. Paul today in terms of how to pray. Scripture. Pick up your Bible. Pray with it. Spend your life meditating on the Word of God. In the morning, before you get in the car on the way to work, read the gospel for that day's mass and meditate upon it throughout the day. Maybe not the whole reading, but a line, a verse, maybe even just one word. Let your heart become a place where the word of God is constantly percolating, constantly being worked on, constantly being brought up, and therefore when you speak, you speak not your word but his. You become a living living manifestation of the word of God. Of God. And then with hearts set afire in God's love, made new daily, made new every moment through prayer, we can go forward and have an incredible impact on the world. We can go forward and teach, we can convince, we can reprimand, we can encourage, not on our own behalf, but on God's, as God's, and with God. Now what does this look like in a practical way? Well, the last few weeks, I've really been thinking and praying a lot about what it means for me in particular, for us as a church, but just in general about the environment. We recognize more and more. Saint, or not Saint, but Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si' gets at the heart of this: that environmental issues are justice issues because what I do to the earth doesn't just impact the earth; it impacts other people. And we have to recognize that justice is to give to other people what is their due. And if we constantly degrade and use and don't recognize the impact we're having, we are hurting other people. But... I look at myself and I think, well, if I, if I use less of trash or produce less trash or, you know, I live a more green life, I, I look at the big factories and the foreign countries and all these things, and well, what am I? This drop of, you know, this drop of water in the ocean, seemingly. But this is what God does in prayer. He helps us. He unites us to himself. He helps us to lift up one another. He helps us to fight the good fight and to know how to do that, not as on our own, but Together. So that this issue becomes something where we're not just arguing expert versus expert, but we as Christians are hearts set afire recognizing the goodness, the love of God in our lives, and the desire to serve one another. It becomes a cultural change. It becomes a tidal shift. It becomes a change of heart and life and love. And that's the revolution. That's the change that the Lord desires to bring about. For us to start to see each other as the beloved. To see each other as he sees us. To see you as God sees me in prayer. And this is the fruit of prayer. That we go forward into the world and change it. Because we know God's will. We know what he asks of us. And we recognize that we can't sit idly by. But we are called to go forward to change the world as Jesus, with Jesus, in and through Jesus.